Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCorsi here with Matt Watson. Welcome back, Matt. What's up? Not much. You know, one thing I just realized I forgot to say that this podcast is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Really? Yeah, I'm having a hard time because I did like 170 of these things and never said that. And now they say I have to. Ron Burgundy reads what's on the prompter, man. (laughs) (laughs) We need to change the intro, don't we? Yeah. Well, the problem I've got is we don't have here at the podcast, we don't have an accurate an effective way to share knowledge with each other. And I mm. think that we can fix that by doing a lot of different things. But Did you document the exact intro? Yeah. And then I forgot where it was and we didn't share it. And no one told me. So I sent the memo to Johnny. I know exactly. And now it's lost. You actually, Shit. you actually thought about sending it and then didn't. But anyway, I brought someone in today that I think is going to help us figure this out. It's Trevor DeVore, who is the CTO co-founder of screen steps is that right that's correct okay and he told me and he told me to not point out that his older brother is the ceo yeah that's a i'm just subject i'm just kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) we had an arm wrestling contest he won yeah (laughs) if i would lose on purpose if i had to be the cto (laughs) i would be like yeah or i would i wouldn't be very well suited for that well anyway welcome so you ha- you know a couple things about sharing knowledge and helping people do stuff. And as we kind of get into that subject matter and why it's important, uh, give us a give us about ten cents of knowledge about Screen Steps. All right. Well, so Screen Steps is uh, you know at the heart, it's a documentation platform. Uh, you know, we have a SaaS product that companies will use to capture knowledge in their in their organization and distribute it to their employees to their customers. Uh, we like to say that we. We take we help the people that take care of your customers. Yeah, you support yeah. the support. Yeah, but yeah. why is all this important? Like, because like we said, and you know, Matt and I were joking on the the way in here. Like, it's sometimes it's hard to share simple things. Yeah. So, I mean, why? What? What is? You know, where does this really like change the game when it comes to that? Well, so like you said, it is hard to share things. People typically we see a lot of people who store their content in something like SharePoint. And, and they think that if they write something and then they put it in a location where theoretically anyone can get it, that that's adequate, that that's good enough. But the reality is when people need, when they need certain information, it's, it's usually in the moment. They, they have something that they need to do and they need to be able to find it. Like literally and, like, at a, like right there in front of them. Yeah, like right there in sure. front of them. And so how you distribute that content, right? So in, in our system, like, yeah, you can organize your content on various levels like you can in a lot of different, uh, you know, knowledge-based systems. But we also have a Chrome extension, which will look at the, you know, the URL that you're visiting and content on the page, and it can provide contextual information. So like if you had, you know, your homepage for your podcast, I don't know where you manage things, and you could have all these articles pop up that related to, um, you know, running your podcast. Like Matt Watson wins another award. Matt Watson wins an additional <laughs> award. We do need to script how I want you to introduce me in those scenarios. As Master Watson? Yeah. I will work on that. Did you see what I deal with here? <laughs> if we had a shared knowledge base in that regard and it was point and click, it would be like, um, yeah, we'd have to have a lot of editing going on. 
Yeah, or we could automate half this podcast. So, uh, so, and let me back up. So, when you when Screen Steps is is, you know, when someone in support or someone is looking at stuff and they're using Screen Steps, I'm assuming that they're you're that this now enables a, a shared knowledge base to kind of be point and click. So you can, so if someone's calling, they're saying, Hey, I'm having a problem on this page, or I don't know how to figure it out. Then you create a whole bunch of knowledge using screen steps that the people that are helping can access quickly and easily. Yeah. And what we tell people <clears throat> when, you, when you're first getting started, we say, look, if you've, a lot of people are just, you know, if you're looking at, at support, um, people will have a lot of questions coming in and sometimes they just feel just, it's a deluge. You know, they, they feel like they're drowning in sport questions. And we say, look, take the first 10, like the most popular questions, the top 10 questions that you get and write a help article for that. Yep. And you'll be amazed at how much time that frees up when you have uh, a well-written response by a subject, you know, by somebody who knows how to solve that problem that everyone can draw on um, in your support team. You know, they have an article they can send out. Um, and that's how we tell people to get started. So, let me use Stackify as an example of this. So part of our challenge is the knowledge is everywhere, not not only across like our 50 employees, but different places, right? So we have a chat system. We use Intercom. Yep. Intercom potentially has knowledge base or content type articles in it. Yeah, we do that at Gigabook too. It's helpful. Yep. So that's one place. Right. We have, we use Jira and Jira has Confluence and we have documentation in there. For our software, we have documentation that our customers can access. There's stuff in there. Then we use Stack Overflow's Q&A thing. There's documentation in there. There's Q&A stuff in there. Dude, I got to be honest. You already we lost used... me, man. That's like a lot <laughs> Hold of Hold on. I'm places. not done yet. Hold wow, on. there's more? We use Google Docs. So we have team drives in Google Docs. We have all sorts of different documentation in there and spreadsheets and you know all different stuff. And I'm pretty sure there's a couple more places. And by the way, to back all that up, I've been creating a written manuscript on your behalf, which I'm also going to get chiseled into a stone tablet. Cool. Yeah. Well, we're good then. Yeah. So, I mean, and we're probably exactly like most companies, right? Like we have all this different documentation and, not, and some of it's internal, some of it's product oriented. So the, theoretically, how much, how much of like, it actually gets used and access? Do you even not know? Not near as much. Not a lot. Is that something you guys help people track? Do you actually know when people are act, like, hey, your employees are actually viewing this? Yeah. So you can, you can create we have like reader accounts in the system and you can, you have reporting that says so-and-so viewed this article. Um, you're getting searches for this search term and here are the articles that show up or you're someone's are doing, so people are searching on this term and nothing's showing up. Um, so, you know, you can kind of help people see how you want to be able to analyze how people are using the system sure, and, and things like that. But like, so Matt, when you had, you talked about all these different documentation uh, areas where you have documentation, yeah. who are, you know, there's probably a primary audience for each one. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those places might be effective for the intended audience, but is there any area, any of those areas where you see, yeah, we've got this documentation in there, but the intended audience is never drawing on it. They're never using it. Well, I would hope our customers use our product documentation, but a lot of our internal stuff is probably really sketchy on how it uses, how it gets used. And, and I'm the perfect example of this, right? It's like, I don't need to know something until I need to know it. And then I don't know where the answer is. So I just ask somebody. Right. And then there's another thing too. It's not just about having created that information once. It's about, is it updated? Yeah. Because things change a lot. And by the way, I think, so, you know, the whole topic of sharing knowledge, let's stop for a second and talk about the why, like why this is important. Because if you can't support your product, your users are going to bail. 
And if you're, and if your process of sharing any of this info or gaining this info is obtuse, you're burning a ton of time, effort and energy and focus trying to figure out the answers or something much like you asked, Matt, or you said, I'm going to go ask someone. I'm, and I become an asshole. <laughs> I've always described you as that. I'm an asshole. Yeah. But that's technically not the definition of an asshole. Oh. Yeah. An asshole is either someone that always asks everyone for advice. Then when they get a whole bunch of it, they always do the opposite. Or they're the people that are just asking way above their ability to like cash in a favor from you. Like the person you've never met. that's like, will you drive 30 minutes away and come meet me for coffee so I can, <laughs> so I can pick your brain about starting oh. a com? And you're like, who are you? Do I know you? Well, we, and, the, and then you have those people <laughs> in the company that are always like RTFM. What does that stand for? Read the effing manual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing. It's like, and that and that's a painful thing. Like, no one's like, yeah, I don't want to read the manual, but... Just tell me the answer. Dude, if it's right in front of you, it definitely makes it a lot easier to, to get to. So... Well, but to the point, it's like, I don't know... Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I do X, Y, and Z? We have documentation for it somewhere, but I don't even know where. So then I just go ask the team. I start asking everybody else. I'm like, how do I do this? Yeah. Because there's not, because there's not one central location. Yeah, I even know where to go. And by the way, I think that's now the third, the third type of asshole, the person that won't go figure it out themselves and just always keeps asking. So congratulations, Matt. You said you wanted to make a difference here on the show. You have now blazed the trail to the third level of, of assholeness. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, congrats. Yeah. So, Trevor, what made you want to start all this? Well, it, so it was interesting. The um, I mean, years ago, I was a I was a contractor, right? I was a programmer. Companies would bring me in to solve particular problems for them. And uh, we, I was at a conference with one of my, you know, with a company that contracted me and I, they wanted me at the conference with them. And uh, GE Medical approached me and they walked up and they, they said, look, we've got a training problem. They, uh, it was right when 3D, 4D ultrasound machines were coming out. And they, what would happen is each software release had a year, um, had a one-year life cycle. It would take them six months to get their documentation finished after they released it. So they had documentation, which was good for six months, and then it was obsolete again. And they're like, we got, we got to fix this. And so I said, okay, that sounds like an interesting, pro- interesting problem to solve. And so I, I actually asked my brother to help me. He was, he was actually a musician by trade, did film scoring in LA, and, but did a lot of IT training. He was he understood uh, like the new synthesizers and things like that that were coming out and uh, would train studios how to use them. And so I said, Hey, you want to help me with this? And we did. And we looked at, I had done, I had, you know, I had used a lot of the training systems at the time and I just thought there wasn't a good enough system to do it, uh, what we wanted to do. And so we wrote our own and uh, we came up with a system where we were actually be, we were able to finish the documentation for these systems before they came out. And, um, that was, you know, that was a big deal for them. So we did that for GE and we did it for Philips uh, and Siemens. And we eventually realized, hey, we've got something here that, you know, it's a faster way of writing content. It's a way where the person who knows what the, you know, who, who's the subject matter expert can use the system to write it. And we just thought that there was a big need for that. You know, when you say a faster way to write content, I mean, dude, that's a, seriously like a problem that needs to be solved for a lot of people because, you know, we employ uh several content writers and technical writers at full scale. But uh, prior to hiring them, like nobody ever was like, yeah, I want to write content. I want to like, I mean, it's, it's over different businesses and some of which that have been 
quite honestly fueled by content marketing. It's always been a problem. I mean, I realize it's a different type of content, but I mean, are you really, you, I mean, you, Matt, you've been a content marketer too. It's hard to find people that actually write well, the written word. And then part of the challenge here is you get people that then, how do they format it? And it's like, oh, yeah. I want to make this bold and this, this yeah. font size and like all this kind I of I want to write it in the third person. I want to write it in first so person. As developers, we've sort of embraced, um, when we write our docs, we actually do it with Markdown, mm-hmm. which kind of dumbs it all down. Like you can say if you want something to be a heading or bold, but you can't really control like a lot of stuff. Do you, so how do you do that in screen steps? You guys have kind of a different way of doing that or do you use Markdown? So we, no, we don't use Markdown. There's a, there's a WYSIWYG editor. Mm-hmm. And, but we also, we don't give you, like you can't choose the font or different things like that. That's all controlled at a global level yeah. so that people are maintaining. Style. You force them in the box. We like force you, them in the box. Yeah. So you might say, okay, you might write a paragraph and it's a, you know, this is a warning. Be very aware of this. And so you, that paragraph is assigned as a warning. And so it gets styled a certain way right. with an icon. So yep, you, yep. they're in the box and, and, and that helps them be more, I mean, stop, as long as they're not a control Stop freak. thinking about how to style it and just <laughs> yeah. write the content. You know, control freaks don't like that. Technical writers. I feel like the font like has everything to do with this, the quality of the support, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you can set it to comic sans <laughs> on your global style sheet, you'll be. You'll yeah. Be What's interesting though, because what our original, when we first came up with the, came out with the public product was Screen Steps version one because it started off as a desktop tool and then it evolved into the SaaS product that it is today. It was all about screenshots. Mm-hmm. And that's where yeah. the name comes from. Yeah. And we we thought, well, people can tell a story with pictures in in a lot of the documentation that that we were creating. That's what we try to do here on the podcast: tell mm-hmm. a story with pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and video. Exactly. Well, well, that that now, That's and you can check it out on Instagram. We, we were having, a, we were experiencing a lot of failure telling our story with pictures until we added the YouTube. <laughs> you can check channel. it out on Instagram <laughs> yeah. at Startup Hustle Podcast. Look at that! Look yeah. at that! Yeah. Yes. Wow! And on YouTube, much at like, Startup Hustle. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting, but we just removed I the feel barrier. Like a proud papa. I'm yeah, proud papa. <laughs> I'm like, thank <laughs> you, Matt. Thank you for making me not do all the heavy lifting. All right, back to you, Trevor. Well, but you know just coming up with a system that let people capture their screenshots as they went through a process mm-hmm. and putting that into, you know, something like a word document. So you're kind of, you know, snag it's always been the, the popular um, screen capture tool for decades. Um, Is that your competitor? No, they're not really a competitor. I actually used to work for them as a contractor. Um, I helped TechSmith with when they were first started exporting to flash back. I mean, this was a long time ago before flash became the, <laughs> the thing it is today. Um, so yeah, actually I did work for them and, um, but you know, you take a tool like that and you combine it with parts of Microsoft word Yeah, and well, you you take the parts you need from each one and you can be a lot more efficient. And And so do you, does your product still today do a good job of screen capture and stuff? Yeah. So that's one of the things that's kind of sets us apart from our competitors, uh, from, from a writing standpoint is that we still have a desktop authoring tool. So all the content management, um, all that stuff happens in the web app. But when you're writing individual articles, we have a desktop editor and that has screen capture built in and just a lot of the niceties that you can get from a desktop tool that are a little harder in the browser still. And we do a browser, we do, you can edit articles in the browser as well, but, um, but people really enjoy the, the desktop editor. And, and, and actually it's really important because when you're documenting software, screenshots are really important. And the hard part about them is annotating them. And yeah. so that's one of the things your guys' tool does a good job of is you can like 
crop the yeah, photos or put little arrows on them or highlight learning, stuff learning how to annotate screenshots changed my life i mean really? like, like yeah. no wow. no i mean that like it really did because um you look back over like 10 years and it, it 10 years sounds like a long time or maybe it doesn't but 10 years ago your ability to communicate with people online was way way different like skype had just come out like skype was this new thing people were like have you heard of skype it's this new cool thing. And I was like, cool, I'm going to try to call someone in the Philippines with it. And then the bandwidth wouldn't really support the video. But yeah, being able to annotate a screenshot allowed me to have a better communication standard with the people that were helping me build specific software because you wouldn't, you, I wasn't sitting there going, hey, no, no, that thing in the upper left-hand corner or yep. something like that. And it made a big difference. So, all right, Trevor, you guys have been doing this for a while. When did you start this? It was a while back, right? Oh, I want to say... I know Greg and I started working together in 2003. Um, and this, I guess that's probably when we started doing the GE project. Uh, it was right around then. And then uh, I don't remember how long it took to evolve, but uh, it's been, yeah, it's just something that's kind of grown organically. Uh, you know, we're, we're still a small business now. Just kind of, you know, we came to you to full scale kind of like at the point where we're starting to, to grow, you know, like we want to grow the company. And so we've started uh, using the full scale services and, well, thank you for the plug. We 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 don't say that on your behalf, but do thank you for that. No, yeah. it was uh, we've uh, we loved working with you guys on that. It's been we we just picked up the the QA guy, QA manager, who's been heaven sent. <laughs> I, I I worked directly with Trevor to help him with that, and I called him one day on my ride home, and I was like, dude, really, like, what's your biggest headache? And he explained it to me. I'm like, I think this dude will probably help you out. If anything, just for your own sanity. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Fantastic. yeah. He was like, "Well, I think I'll try it out." And I called him back a couple of weeks later. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not giving him back. <laughs> you can put him <laughs> yeah, on. Talking, you can put him on full time. If I, I, I don't want to risk having to share him with someone else. And I could just kind of sense because, like, I mean, but honestly, the same way with support and all of this, like, dude, some of this stuff can be a real headache. And like, as an entrepreneur or founder, any you can't put a price on peace of mind. <clears throat> you can't. No, it, and you can. It, the thing is. It, like customer support, it can just drain your resources so yeah. quickly. It yeah. really can. And if you don't have a system set up where you can respond to, you know, so. Well, it's also about scalability too, because oh, yeah. if you're yeah. doing it all with people, I had this problem with Gigabook and, you know, we had the hardest time getting people get onboarded and set up properly. So we used to have to call them and then you end up on the phone with them forever. And you're just sitting there like, God, this is never really going to work out unless we figure out a more efficient way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, to that point, we had so there's a couple of things in in our. I don't know if you guys ever have to deal with like single sign-on uh, and oh, SAML yeah. and stuff like that. Oh yeah, sure. So, OAuth. Yeah, you, all I, the things. You probably love that as much yeah. as we do. The setup for that, because you know sometimes we have companies and they got an IT department and they go through it. It's great, get set up. But we would get so many requests to support for that. And we actually are, we're we're coming literally up. just how to sign in to a platform. Well, no, to to set up the the, the integration, integration between. Ah, so they might be using Salesforce. Yeah. So a, a good example of this. So our internal program rocks. Yep. It would make more sense that if I could use we use Gmail for our email right yeah. at full scale. If they could sign in with their Gmail account, and they can. And we did. We did that. Yes. Right. We did that integration. <laughs> So that way we don't have to create like a whole different logins. (laughs) And so if we, if, if we, if an employee leaves, we can just disable them in one place. And then, yeah. So that that was a big deal, but it was a major support headache. And we usually had to have somebody more advanced get involved, which is not the best way to spend their time. 
but what we we've done is we come up with a we came up with a new article type, right? So we have types of articles in our system, and and we have this one called workflow articles, which um, our content's always always organized in an outline. Like you know, you have heading, you can have headings and and children and things like that. And we just modified it so you can have questions and answers. And we changed the the we took about I don't know fifteen articles that we had on this like for different you know there's there's Google and there's Salesforce and all these different systems. And we put it into this format where the user has to answer, they're only presented one question at a time. And when they answer that question, okay, which system do you want to set this up with? And then they answer it and they're given an action to take. So then they take that action. Okay. All right. I finished that action. They're presented with another question and it just takes them through the process step-by-step. Step. Oh, it's like and a wizard. That has been, we've had multiple times now where uh, multiple cases where somebody comes to us and says, okay, I set up SSO. And we send them out this article and oh. we don't hear back. And that, that is what you want, right? When you I need that for Stackify. <laughs> but you know, what you just mentioned, so I tell people all the time, I think the walkthrough is key for anything. Yeah. Like onboarding, ordering, yeah. setting something up, like really doing anything. I really just think that the best software products and the best things in general just kind of, they, they say, hey, grab my hand. Let me walk you right through it. And like, yep. and if you can keep people moving and keep it, and you don't give them a form with 10,000 things to fill in and just like make it, you know, you get like what 30 seconds before you maybe lose someone if you even get that long. Well, and even in this, with like, especially what you're, it's to your point in this complex process, people would see this wall of text and you know, there's headings, there's yep. formatting, breaking it up, but they would, I don't even know if they realized it, but like, so one of our other guys who does customer success would watch people go through these documents and they just skip over all sections yep. and they're like, well, it doesn't work. Well, yeah, you, you kind of skip the most important part, but you can't blame them because it's just, it's kind of daunting to go through all these technical documents and, and to follow along. So sounds a lot like when you email me, Matt, and I just skip over most of it and then hit delete. I don't even email you. Oh, you do? I do. Maybe. <laughs> um, all right. So you guys, we like to talk about the things that we've done okay at, and we also like to talk about some of the things that we either suck at sucked out, failed out, or just clearly overlooked in our whole entire process. Now, I would think that, because you guys, you're talking about browser plugins and stuff like that. Look, for those of you that aren't, aren't developers or work around them, the browser is like the biggest, the browser in general and compatibility across all of them and all the crap that they throw is really like, hey, Matt, Internet Explorer. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, see what I can do. Like, and, but so I, I feel like there has to be some, <laughs> at least I, you didn't say Netscape Navigator four, <laughs> but this is my point. Like there's like all these different things. They change them. They don't tell you about them. Next thing you know, like you're running into a zillion different headaches. Like I bet screen steps works for internet Explorer six. <laughs> Maybe the public side. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, I mean, I feel like that could, I, I don't know if that's part of, any story, but what's something that like when you, I probably just invoked some kind of an internet explorer. That's all you have to say to a developer to really uh, piss them off. By the way, if you want to get back at the dev team that you work around, just go scream internet explorer at them right now. And you better get a head start because they're coming after you with pitchforks <laughs> and torches. Like, so true. So you, but I know, man, that's, I, I feel the same way. I'm not even a developer. So give us something that, that, like what's your what can you drop on us that something you look back at and you're like wow that was either an abysmal failure or something we clearly overlooked 
something we clearly overlooked. Um, sales. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, we were supposed to sell stuff at a business. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because like we've been, around, that was a great answer by the way. It, it, well, it's in our case, it's very true because my brother and I were product guys. Yeah. We love to solve problems and we, we love to create software that solves problems. And we, we've have a, we had a very, we've had a very loyal following, following in our desktop products. We actually had to discontinue one of them, clarify just because it was taking away our focus from, from screen steps. But we, we love doing that. But sales was, you know, we're not sales guys at heart. Uh, we love talking about our stuff to people. If you know, if you get us going on it, but we're not sales minded. And that has been a big change. You know, we've gone out, we have CEO coach, we got, you know, hired people that can kind of help us in that regard. Um, but that's an area where it's like, if we had started focusing on that years ago, we'd be in a very different state right now, very different place. Um, that was an amazing answer. And it's like something we talk about a lot. Like, I mean, people are always like, God, I, I, I got to raise money. I got to do this. I got to do that. You, you can try selling something. You can try selling and I, something. And so I have the same problem. Like it, at StackFi, right? I'm more of a product-oriented CEO, basically CTO. And, um, you know, you got to have somebody on the team that's, that's all about, like, finances and sales. Like, the numbers have to add up. But those up. are two different things, too. Finances and sales, like, while they're, yeah. uh, they're clearly joined together, but they are – but just you, – it's hard to find someone that's good yeah. at both of those things, too, because your financial people – are uh, well, they better be uh, more detail oriented, oriented, and salespeople notoriously are not. I mean, at least somebody who's like, "Hey, we got to sell some shit," instead of investing all our money in product development. Yeah, it's like we need to go sell something. No, that, and that's but then that would create revenue, and then that would go against everything. Then the company's taught. not worth <laughs> it anything. Would go against everything we've taught everyone here on Startup Hustle, I know. which is why the company's why worth would a startup want revenue. The company's worth a billion dollars when it has no revenue. And then as soon as it has revenue, it's worth five times annual recurring revenue. So sense. when you have like $10 a month in revenue, like you're worth 50 bucks. Worth, yeah. And it's like not worth it. <laughs> that's not a good valuation, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and I don't know enough about your company yet, <laughs> but I feel like 50 bucks <laughs> might be a little low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we've tried to keep the podcast so limited on any revenue. And yes. we've done a great job of making no money. It's a unicorn podcast yeah, right now. Like, <laughs> so what's your valuation? It's 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 infinite, yeah. which is the thing. So, um, yeah. And it's actually, I think the value of the podcast is probably the total of all the money and the money guns at any given time. As you can see them right here. Oh, those are nice. We're just excited we have a gold money gun now. So. <laughs> All right. So, well, forgetting to sell stuff is definitely an oversight. Do you have, uh, do you have another thing? I mean, I feel like the browser things have to like, what, which one of those has internet Explorer? Has that just made you beat your head against your monitor on some days? Yeah. Well, yes. I, but I feel like all of them probably have to be that same thing. I well, mean, it, you, you think that they're all going to be somewhat similar. Um, but I, I think people, I think people that haven't built software before think that like sometimes when I, okay, a huge red flag for me is when I talk to a potential client at full scale and they're like, and yeah, when it's done, I, the word done and software platform do not go that well together. Am I, am I right, Matt? It's like fashion. There's no final version. Wow. I didn't realize you were so eclectic. <laughs> that was true. a quote from Zuckerberg. Was it? I didn't come up with no, that. I, yeah. thought that you knew I, I do have a good one for you, though. 
It's like, I'm an engineer. It's my job to make you happy no matter what it costs you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always told customers when I get on the phone. Like, I don't work in sales and I don't know what we're going to charge you for this, but it's my job to make you happy no matter what it costs. Well, anyway. I do have a question. Yeah. What's it like working with your brother? It's great. You got to tell us about that. Oh, it's fantastic. We, uh, we've, We've had a great relationship. Oh, that's a great question, Matt. Like, because a lot of people can't work with their family. Yeah, co-founders that are brothers. Not only. Or or work with a wife or someone like that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I've got, so my older brother and I are the ones that started the company. And then I have a younger brother who actually is our guy over, um, he's the one that's over customer success. We grabbed him out of Price Waterhouse. He was doing audits on the government back in DC and just hated it. And I mean, uh, how could you hate that? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, it's like you do these audits and you find all these things wrong and you give them the report, but then they don't ever do anything about it. Oh, wow. I don't know yeah. why that wouldn't be satisfying. I so he didn't find that very satisfying. Yeah, it's funny because it's personality wise. He's he's just, you know, he was a magician growing up. He's just, wow. he's an entertainer. And uh, I don't know that he got to really do a lot of that in auditing. So have you guys ever had any big fights or battles about the business, how to run the business? disagreements no, i know i mean we have we have different perspectives on things but that can be healthy though that if you don't have i that, mean matt we have different perspectives yeah. on things with full scale sometimes well, and and by the way too. sometimes we argue and fight about shit but sometimes but the question is is how can you do you rebound back from that yeah and can you disagree without hating each other yeah and realizing that that you need that there's a, a guy i love named george raveling i don't know if you know who he is but he was um i mean he's a hall of fame coach basketball coach and player who's the bodyguard for martin luther king jr just a fascinating guy. He works for Nike Global now, I think, doing international basketball. But he he always says, you know, if, if everyone has the same opinion, you don't need every, you don't need you, know, if you, you don't need them, right? You don't need a bunch of people who all have the same opinions because well, that's the whole idea of getting rid of yes men. And we say we say yes men. You're going to put that on Instagram, aren't you? I just <laughs> sorry. Breland comes and takes pictures of us, and I've been wanting to like give the camera the finger for a long time, and I finally did it. But no, you're talking about the the uh, you just defined a yes man or woman or whatever you yeah. the yes people. Like I'm just going to say yes. It's easiest to agree because sometimes you get that one person out of ten they might have a really valid point. I was literally just watching the HBO series Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. And there's clearly one dude that's like, look, I, you guys all want to be yes men and I have to stop you. And honestly, based on watching that, if it's even close to true, that dude may have saved an entire continent. But, you know, it's important to have that difference of opinion and for context. And that's also, what do they call it? Red team? Is that the red team analysis that some companies, businesses, governments will do where it's literally a group of people and your entire job is to make sure you offer the opposing opinion. It's like exist for that purpose of diversity of opinion. Makes sense to me. So you guys have never like had like a brotherly fist fight over the business? No, no. Interesting. It's, uh, and, and here's the thing is, you know, trust is a big issue that you, you have to trust the person you're working with. Right. And I trust my brother, uh, you, you know, he's, he's the CEO and I, I trust that, you know, he, he has integrity. Um, and we let each other make mistakes. Um, you know, it's like, we are both in, you know, we're swimming in new waters. Well, I think that's important. What you said, letting someone make mistakes. It's like, I mean, look, you got to try some things. 
here and there. Not everything you do is going to work out. Like, for example, like earlier this year, and you've been to one of these before, like I, I tell Matt, I'm like, dude, I think I've come up with a great way to build our brand locally. And I need some sweets at some local venues because I want to do this thing called sweet and greet. And we're like, will it work? I don't know. And if it doesn't, it's going to be real freaking expensive. You know, but the thing is, is it ended up being, it's been a huge hit around town, but you got to like, and at what's been a big hit at two of the three places we did it at. And the third place we shut, we removed that from what we're doing and move forward. But like, and if you don't take some chances and do some things, you're never going to know, you know, I mean, and so I think some of it is, is also is the person you're making the decisions with, like <clears throat> you have to not be overly stubborn in some regards, like be practical and be able to say like, Hey, you know, okay, sure. I I, I get it. Or, or, you know, and sometimes letting other people see if their idea is going to work or not is, you know, just as much validation or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I think that's appropriate. I mean, what do you think, Matt? I think you definitely have to let people make mistakes that, that part of it and, um, try things and, and learn from their mistakes. I mean, we're, even with full scale, right? We're running a type of business we neither one of us have ever run before. We learn a lot of things along the way. And kind of like you said, Trevor, I mean, uncharted waters. Uncharted waters. And that's the thing about startups is you get new challenges at different scales, you know, different steps in the business, right? And you get to 10 employees, 50, 100, 200, whatever. You get new sets of challenges that come and you just, there, there, nobody has experience in doing all of these things for your type of business. And it's just constant learning experience. Yeah. My, as you were saying that I had a flashback to when we transitioned from doing large contracts for a few companies when we were back when we were working with GE and, and those others to being a product company that sold to the general public. Wow. It's amazing how, how much the, <laughs> the revenue dropped so quickly because we had no idea what we were doing selling product. Uh, to, you know, to a large scale, you know, just to a larger population, you know, small, big contracts, it's a lot easier to manage that. Yeah, it really is. Um, now, granted, in our case, the ceiling was too low. Um, you know, we knew we were, there was a ceiling to what we could make and, you know, what we could do working in with those, you know, fewer companies and large contracts. But so we wanted to make that transition, but it was, that was hard. And there was, you know, that was a, that was a rough time. But again, we both, went into the, you know, made that decision together and, you know, we let ourselves kind of mess up and experiment and find what the path forward was. Well, it clearly worked out because you're here talking here and talking. you're in business <laughs> last time I checked. So there's something that you're going to be able to say here in a few minutes that not everyone can say, but everyone should want to say, and that's that I've played mixtape the game. Oh yeah. Mixtape the game.com digital version coming eventually. So I'm going to, I pulled a card out of the mixtape deck okay. and I'm going to read a scenario and we're all going to name the song that comes to mind when I read it. And then we will vote for who the winner is. You cannot vote for yourself. Okay. What is the song that goes with your most memorable childhood music video? I'm going to let either of you answer first. Unless you want me to. With or without you. <laughs> so you read too. this again. Most memor- The most memorable for music video. Song okay. from your childhood. I got to go with Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby Got Back. Ooh. <laughs> so I was, I'm going to have a two-part answer, and I'm going to go with one, because my real answer is Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. 
This is back when they, when we were kids, because there's a bunch of old dudes in here today. Sorry, guys. But we actually had music videos. Um, and my other answer would have possibly been Cherry Pie by Warren because it just kind of stuck in my head. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So anyway, you ha- I'm, Matt, I hate to do it, but I'm voting for Matt. Well, he hasn't, pay- he hasn't said one. He did. Well, I said you two with or without you. Yeah. I, oh, have, okay. I have memories of sitting in the living room at my neighbor's house. I get it. Yeah. Video on the screen. So. I just really love I just have memories from Baby Got Back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> visuals. Yeah. And- yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you got a baby got it going on. Who are you voting for? Uh, you know, I gotta go with the cherry pie. But that you didn't. But that's not a B answer. Sorry. So I gotta go with him because I don't vote for you. So you too. (laughs) You were about to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paradise City was a very memorable one. We're gonna have a stalemate. Yeah, I can. I'm gonna go Paradise City. Dang, no winner. Because that that also has the associated memory of. my brother we haven't had that happen yet we're gonna pull another card never done that either you have loud obnoxious neighbors living above you what song do you play at high volume to get back at them (laughs) fuck you by CeeLo green (laughs) sorry i'm gonna go with we will rock you by queen Ooh. By the way, the, the the song i just named and the reason we're laughing you knew it was coming it's the hack for this game it applies to 99.9 percent of cards except for the music video one because it wasn't out when i was a kid yeah sorry um i would probably do one of the weird al yankovic pokas (laughs) i get that you know another uh i I mean fight for your right to party oh there you go would be a good one i'm voting for trevor because that's just out of the box man I got to go with Weird Al. Yeah, he won. Yeah. He won. Do you want to fire the money gun? Sure. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, I may need some instructions. You you pointed <laughs> at Watson. Do you know okay. how to pull triggers? And pull yes. the trigger. That's all I do. So as the winner of mixtape, you might want to point it up. Here you go. You can fire. It's just so much better when it has an arc to it. Okay. Let it loose. On three. One, two, three. Shake it. Shake it. There you go. Oh my god! Money gun fail. Oh, that was the first. Man. The money came out at the top of the money gun. No, we really. Like, oh my this god! Is way too inefficient. We I'm talk about a top. problem worth solving. We have to figure out how to get a better money gun in here. This is bad. I'm not getting funded today. Oh, There's dude, I quit. Not as much money coming out of the money. Here, gun. let me see it. As a professional, <laughs> as a professional money gun firer, oh, let's see if this works. Right at the camera for YouTube. Dude. This wow. money's really dirty or something. Now, what I know, happened? now I know what to bring you the next time I come. A better money gun? Yeah. Dude, we you know no, we've bought way too many of these already. <laughs> I quit. God. It's just getting harder and harder to find a good counterfeit Supreme money gun oh, on Amazon oh, for under fifteen dollars. So, well, Trevor, <laughs> you got to start a Kickstarter. Have someone make one. Dude, I, if I have one custom made, I'm going to get like Elon Musk's boring company to make it. And that would be cool. Gonna, yeah, I mean, because they make flamethrowers. We could have the flamethrowers flash money. money. It would yeah. shoot the money, and the flamethrower would just ignite it as it goes. <sighs> I'm embarrassed. Are you embarrassed about the quality of our money guns? 
I thought when we got the gold one, it was going to go up an entire notch and it did not. Mm. Anyway, if you want to check us out, go to at Startup Hustle Podcast on the gram. We have a new YouTube channel. You can verify that Watson's face is, in fact, made for radio. And if you want to learn more about screen, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, you haven't been here for like five episodes and I've been throwing myself under that bus. So in order to protect my own self-image, yeah. I had to do that. It's okay. Um, do you feel bad? Did that hurt your feelings? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't figure you did. It did. Matt, you're beautiful. You're beautiful to us, especially Trevor and I. We have a big appreciation for it. Thank you. Um here. Anyway, <laughs> Trevor, as Trevor slides him a, a, like $1. a really crusty looking dollar from yeah. the money gun. Also, if you want to check out what Screen Steps does, go to ScreenSteps.com. Um, you guys have a great website, by the way. It's very informative. Oh, and it, it, it does. I had nothing to do with it. So <laughs> <laughs> I will pass that along. Well, that's fine. But no, I mean, there's so many websites I like look at them anymore. And I'm like, what do you do? But no, I figured out what you did. So anyway, see you all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.